Thanks for downloading this episode of On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for downloading this episode of On the Record Online. This is my second Le Web Preview podcast. Now, Le Web is a conference that happens every year in Paris in December. It happens just before the high travel season, so it's a great chance to get in and out of the city uh, before the 15th of December. Uh, this will be my second time attending. Um, I went last year for the first time, and it was a great chance for me as an American to get out of my bubble and see firsthand just how far ahead of the U.S., the world is with respect to technology. Um, it was a fascinating show. We're going to talk about last year's show. We're going to talk about this year's show. And I've got a panel of official conference bloggers uh, from all over Europe uh, to talk to you about it. Starting, Karen, uh, with you. Tell us about, you know, tell, give us your name, where you're from, and uh, what you do. And, um, and then we'll, we'll uh, introduce the rest of the panelists. I'm Karen. I live in uh, Copenhagen. In Denmark, and I am a podcasting consultant, originally a journalist, and it's my first time at the web. Now, Luca, uh, tell us about you know yourself, where you're from, what you do now. My name is Luca Sartoni, and I'm from Italy, but I live in Vienna, Austria, and I'm team leader for social media at One Hundred People, which is a search engine, and I think it's my fifth or sixth time at the web. And let's hear from our buddy in Belgrade. Hey, hello, my name is Nebojša, I'm coming from Belgrade, Serbia, and this is my second time uh, at Leweb. I'm running a small internet marketing agency here in Serbia and blogging like insane. So, Okay, so let's start just with the subject of Paris, because obviously, you know, it's a, it's a huge tourist uh, uh, magnet f for, uh, for uh, Western Europe. Um, you know, in the U.S., we all dream of going to Paris. Uh, but what about France and technology? I mean, Luca, let's start with you. I mean, you know, you're from Italy. Uh, you live in Vienna now. Uh, what's your view on, on the French and technology? Do the French get technology? Well, that's a good question because actually the company I work for is based in Vienna, in Austria, but the shareholder is a French company. So I know... Uh, pretty a lot about how uh, the tech scene in, Fran in France is going on. Uh, but the web, in my opinion, is not to be considered too much of a French event. Because first of all, it's an event in English. That to happen in Paris, an event in English is not so easy. So I think it's one of the few events in Paris that are totally, totally in English. And Loïc Lemaire is doing an amazing job on that side, taking actually 
most of the Silicon Valley in Europe. So I see that not too much as a French event, uh, but as a global event. Now, um, uh, uh, Nibosa, you are working with uh, companies all over the world. Um, are you working with any French companies? And if so, what, what's your impression of the French with respect to technology? Uh, just how up on stuff are they? Uh, to be honest, I was pretty amazed last year on the web where they presented the case study of Price Minister. I don't know if you remember where they say it's, it was sold for uh, $200, uh, $200 million, uh, which is a pretty amazing uh, number for me. It, it, it's kind of impossible to do something like that in uh, smaller countries like in the Balkans, where I'm originally from. I mean, uh, France is really is really huge market for itself. It has like it has got like 65 million inhabitants, and and whatever they do just in France can be can reach uh, uh, high high scale and can can be highly profitable for itself. But from some uh, previous experience, I think that the people from France are are trying to do their best and to go on the global level. You have net vibes from like six or seven years. Uh, before it was a kind of kind of successful uh, social aggregator, then uh, I, I can't remember right now uh, more more French startups. But uh, what is what is actually a trend for the last couple of years in uh, Europe is uh, that Europe is on the rise and France is not uh, slower in that in in, in that uh, scene. They are doing their best to. To promote themselves, themselves, and to you know to, to reach a global market, not just the French one. So, Karen, um, you know, Scandinavia is thought of as you know perhaps more wired than the rest of the region. Uh, we've seen a lot of technical uh, technology innovation come out of that area. I mean, what's your impression? And speak freely. I mean, do you guys see yourself as more advanced than the French when it comes to techno technological innovation? I don't think we know a lot about uh, French startups or the French tech scene. Uh, Louis Lemur is very well known here in Denmark, but that's because he appears on all the conferences, English spoken conferences. But really, I cannot name one French startup. Maybe that's just me, but uh, we have, uh, we are represented there uh, as a Danish, uh, we have a, a Danish startup, a Danish company called Zendesk, represented uh, in the speakers list. But other than that, um, France, I just can't wait to see the scene there. And I hope to see some of the French scene and not just the European or the global scene because I'm very keen to see what are they actually working on, what is their know-how. But Denmark, I don't think we're more advanced. Um, we're a small country, but we have some very interesting things going on. But not that we're more advanced than the French. I don't think we, we consider us ourselves that no i don't think so yeah but the, um i'll give you my uh, feedback uh, you know as, as an american I, I have to say you know the internet in paris the wireless internet fast and reliable throughout paris um on the metro there are no dead zones and if you ride the subways in new york city you have no wireless signal at all uh, so I was blown away at uh, just how wired uh, Central Paris is. I was also blown away by how much easier it is to get around on the metro versus the New York subway. Um, 
you know, roads obviously have always been critical to sustaining commerce. And I think, you know, the wireless Internet is certainly the highway of the future. And uh, I have to say I was pleasantly surprised uh, to find out that, um, you know, it's, it's pretty easy to get online, pretty easy to uh, maintain a connection over there. On another note, in the um, airport, uh, at Charles de Gaulle, you know, there's all these posters hanging around talking about free Wi-Fi, free Wi-Fi. I mean, if you can get on that free Wi-Fi, I'll give you a hundred bucks because, I mean, I, I tell you, I spent oh, over an hour every time I come through there on a transit stop or waiting for a plane trying to get, I can never get on their free Wi-Fi. You have to download a bunch of PDFs and, you mm. know, next thing you know, it's time to leave, um, which is interesting because, you know, the stereotype is that the French are very bureaucratic and there's a lot of red tape to cut through to get things done. Um, and it's interesting that, you know, Louis Lemur has a startup. He's chosen to base that startup in San Francisco, not in Paris. And he's chosen to keep his conference in Paris, um, which I think is a kind of a pretty wise choice, actually. Uh, you know, what's what are your thoughts on that? And, and um, uh, Luca, let's start with you. I mean, obviously, you know, it's it's tough to uh, get a startup going in France, right? Well, uh, the point is, I think you when you decide to do something, you should do it in the best place for that specific activity. So I think the best place to have a startup, um, the kind of startup that Loïc, was trying to do at that time and is, is doing at this time um, is of course the Silicon Valley because um, the way Seismic was developed at the very beginning and the way then developed in, in the later stage uh, of course it needs to interact with so many people that are based in Silicon Valley that it's, it would be very difficult to do it from Europe. At the same time, organizing another tech event in Silicon Valley would be trying to overcrowd uh, a busy market that is, I mean, in San Francisco, something is happening every two hours. So why starting a new thing and what is the differentiating part? So, of course, the best thing to do as a conference organizer was to keep on going with the, with the experience they had in Paris um, and the connection they have in Paris to organize an event like that because having 3,000, 4,000 people in a venue, a venue for three days, all the logistic, you really need to be connected. You cannot just pop, come out of the blue in a new city that you don't have connections and trying to do that successfully. So I think that, that that's may, that's the main reason why the startup, um, the startup is in the Silicon Valley and the event is in Paris. Um, I, I just want to say just a small thing and then I, I, I give it back to you. Regarding the Wi-Fi in Europe, there's a saying in Italy that says, let's say translated in English, is something like the, the grass of your neighbor is always greener. And I like to say that the Wi-Fi in another country is always faster. Um, we always pretend that things are working better in other countries from a te technological perspective. But, you know, I'm traveling Europe a lot and only a couple of airports actually really have free Wi-Fi. And even if you want to pay, sometimes it doesn't work. What about yeah. the rest of you guys? What, what, do you, what do you have to say about, um, uh, you know, the week's decision to uh, base his uh, startup in uh, San Francisco and keep his uh, trade show in Paris? Well, can I, Karen, can I start? Yeah, go on. 
Uh, I think that it's kind of trend because uh, lots of European companies are going, uh, basing their their headquarters in San Francisco because everything's happening there. And if you want to get an investment, it's much easier to do that in uh, in US than in Europe because you're close to the investors, you're close to the events that the VCs are organizing, and that's why that's why lots of companies and and Seismic as well are based there. Uh, on the other side, they're uh, they're leaving their de- de- development programming in Europe because it's it's much cheaper and and you have more available tech people here. For example, Loic's team is in Romania and Seismic is completely developed in in Romania while his his uh, business development is uh, in San Francisco. And about Leweb, I think that it's it's uh, he did uh, two good things about that and both of them are connected to giving back to the community. Uh, he's giving back to the fr- French community that that gave gave him his popularity and gave him all the knowledge he's got. And on the other side, he's giving back to the San Francisco community because I think that and Eric, you you you're the best uh, guy to to confirm that that Europe itself and Paris itself are very exotic to to U.S. people and that they really want to come uh, in Europe to meet all those people to see what it's like in Europe and what's happening. And I think that the Paris is definitely the best location for that for that in Europe. So. So that's that's what I wanted to say about this topic. And I completely agree with you. And I think uh, if you want, he doesn't just give back to um, France. He gives back to Europe, actually. And uh, the best thing is that it is in Paris. <laughs> it's it's more European than if you you put, um, set up a, a conference in, say, in London. Um, that would be more English, um, you know. That would attract. That would be more English than if you put it in Paris, and it would it would attract more. We're all on the same level. We all speak in English in a foreign country, and so it's more. I don't know. I think it's sometimes a problem when if you have a an English spoken conference ba- uh, placed on an English spoken uh, ground, you know. Luca, you go to conferences all over the world. Yeah. What is different about you know uh, about about um, you going to a conference in in Paris? I mean, I, I have to say, you know, my impression as an American, um, you know, if you I, I go to a lot of conferences too. You know, you and I go to a lot of the same conferences, and uh, you know, there's it's if 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 there's a conference say in Vegas, Las Vegas, or in Boston. Or in Los Angeles, or any of these U.S. cities, um, you know, the the conference is definitely first and foremost about commerce. And I noticed something a little different about the web. Um, you know, it appears to me the French really understand the value and the concept of public spaces. You know, Paris is full of gardens and squares and museums and cafes which are really designed more for intimacy than headcount and throughput. You know, in the U.S., it's all about, you know, how many meals can you serve an hour and how much money can you make? And in some cities, I mean, I hate to admit it, but in some cities, you know, I mean, your choices for public spaces are either, you know, a mall, you know, which is supported by commerce or a homeless shelter. I mean, that's it. There's no in-between. There's no public spaces at all. And the way that the floor was arranged, the area of the web where the exhibitors are, is the whole center of the floor, which would have been the prime real estate to sell to exhibitors, 
was reserved for a coffee bar. And what was so interesting to me about that is, you know, there's humanity about getting coffee and rubbing elbows with someone not in their booth where they're trying to sell you or not walking down the trade show aisle and having all the salespeople looking at you like you're a piece of meat. You know, it's very difficult to have a human connection in an environment that is predominantly about commerce. And they seem like they sort of brought this, you know, sensibility of the public space and the community into this area of commerce, which made it so much easier to meet people. So that was sort of my impression. What was yours, Luca? Uh, I think you're right on that. Um, it's not only about Paris or about the web. I think it's a common uh, thing in most of the European uh, conferences that I attend. Actually, it's true. In the U.S., uh, if you go to a trade show, you have the sales guy that tries to sell you something. It happens also if you go to sales event in Europe, of course, but it's a bit different. Let's say that every kind of event in Europe it has a social space that is more uh, for networking and actually works better for networking than the networking areas sometimes uh, that were designed for that. So you find people that they go to a conference, they don't go to the networking area because they meet outside in a restaurant. That is right. very, very common. So what happened that in the past, uh, some people organizing events like Loic and other people in Europe, they realize that actually if they want people to get together, they have to place, they have to put food, enough food and enough good food inside the venue with enough space for people to get together. So other conferences like, I don't know, the picnic has a big area just for for. Um, sitting together and have dinner or lunch together. And the same is happening at the web. Actually, in, in 2007, 2006, when I went the first time, I was surprised by the quality of food there that you don't find in the U.S. I'm sorry for you guys, but it's very difficult to find an event mm -hmm. in the U.S. with good food. Uh, but, and, and, it's, and it's just a choice to get people together for that, for that purpose. Um, another different in terms of sociality, uh, getting people together, I don't know why, but in the web, people tend to speak with other people that they don't know. At other events, most of the time, they group in um, with people they already know. I don't, and actually, I don't have an explanation for that. Maybe you have. I think that's the problem of European conferences in general that people are very shy to approach to speakers and other people and to you know to make some contact and to work maybe together. Uh, Especially, for example, when we are organizing conferences in Serbia, people are very shy to ask questions, and you won't see that in U.S. And I think that uh, some of the bloggers or maybe some of organizers from last year's Leweb commented about the fact that uh, the speakers are pretty much amazed that no one's approaching them. They're among other people, but people are shy to, to, pro to come to them and to, to ask them whatever they need. I think that that's both with that uh, networking space and chill out zones that's very specific for European conferences themselves. I think we in Europe also, if I may say, um, we have had to learn a lot from the, the Americans that, that we, have, we have had over the past 10 years to learn how to approach other people. And um, the Americans are brilliant at that. You cannot 
walk up to any American at a conference and you can start talking and they would not feel, feel awkward or offended or anything. But here we, ha we, we really have had to learn that, especially in Scandinavia, but definitely also in, in Germany and France. Maybe not so much in, in, uh, in UK, but um, the thing, how, how do you approach, you know, foreign people, you know? So aliens, really, you know, because we, we don't know anything about each other. So um, that's, uh, been, that's been very, very uh, useful to, to learn here because we need that as startups. We need that as innovators. We really need to approach people we don't know anything about. That's how we develop new businesses. You know, it's interesting. The, um, the impact for me as an American of what you're saying, and I'm sort of I'm getting clarity on it now, was I was able to do some of the highest level networking I've ever done at a conference at the web because no one's really talking to anybody as much as it's not as competitive. Like in the U.S. at a conference, you know, um, somebody like Scoble would have, you know, a, a ring three deep, three people deep around him, everybody wanting to talk to him. But, you know, at the web, you could just walk right up to him and talk to him, uh, you know, and he's available. Uh, I mean, I was able to talk to, uh, you know, Phil, the CEO of Evernote. I was able to spend some uh, good networking time with Matthias Lovkins, who runs uh, social media for, um, for the Davos uh, Economic Summit. I mean, it was amazing the high-level networking I was able to do, mostly just because there wasn't as much competition. But I want to talk for a minute about this year's conference. So let's. W there's a, a bunch of keynotes uh, coming up that uh, I'm, I have to say I'm really excited about them. I'm really excited to hear what uh, Eric Schmidt has to say. You know, there was a story recently in Forbes that he's really having a difficult time working with regulators in the U.S. trying to help them understand how to spur and support innovation in this country. Um, and apparently it's, it's very challenging for him because, uh, uh, you know, the folks in government don't really understand how technology works and, and how to promote it. Um, and now he's going to be going to France, which is, you know, seen as even notoriously, uh, you know, more bureaucratic and more full of red tape th than even the U.S. is. Uh, what 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 do you think he's going to talk about? What would you like to hear him talk about? What are your expectations for his keynote? Mm, well, it's always interesting when someone like Eric Schmidt decides to give a keynote in, in Europe. Usually they just uh, limit their presence uh, in the U.S. events. For, and a keynote uh, at uh, that level is not just, you know, a master lesson or, or, or just a reading that you do for your kids. Usually they put something juicy inside. Um, on the other hand, we have to say that Google, every time is announcing something in Europe or they're having a speech in Europe, they have the bad habit to just stick to their PR material. They don't go too far than that. So even Marisa Meyer, when it was a Le Web, okay, was very interesting, but they don't, you know, they never lose their balance. So I'm really looking forward for that to that, but I'm not uh I won't expect too much surprising stuff, but interesting stuff, yeah. 
for sure. But but why? Like, why is he going to Paris? I mean, what does he hope to get out of it? What do you think has lured him there? Well, um, we have to say that Google in Europe um, is facing troubles that it's not facing in the U.S. So you're right when you say he's trying to uh, talk to institutions and to regulators in the U.S., but they also have to talk with regulators in, in, uh, in Europe. And I work for a search engine, and um, in Europe, it's, it's a very different story than the U.S. on that side. Uh, personal data, uh, data protection laws, privacy, totally different story. The U.S., they are very unregulated. They only care about, you know, monop uh, monopoly situation and stuff like that, about the business, but not too much about data protection. But when you step in Europe, it's a mess for them, of course. Uh, I mean, Facebook, Google, all the companies, that they start with uh, an American uh, legal um, um, uh, department and then they try to step in Europe with the business. But... Uh, so maybe it's, going, it's coming to Europe to announce something specific for Europe. That would be really, really interesting. You know, as um, uh, services like Spotify and Airbnb and other uh, online applications that make use of the social infrastructure to make the buying experience either easier or better – uh, become more popular and we start to learn the value of services built on top of the social infrastructure, um, I think I think there will be less resistance and I'm starting to see that inside the bubble here in the U.S. But, um, you know, I discovered Spotify, <clears throat> um, gosh, probably just like six weeks ago and it's totally revolutionized the way that I discover music now. It's a fantastic service. I'm using it pretty much. I mean, I, I signed up for a premium service almost immediately. <clears throat> um, I find it to be an excellent service. And I'm excited that Daniel Eck and Sean Parker, who's the backer, are both going to be speaking there. I wonder if, you know, the deal was if Sean speaks, we'll let, we'll let Daniel speak as well. I wonder if that was the deal Louis covered. Uh, uh, we'll never know. But uh, Nabosa. Tell us, are you using Spotify? What do you think of Spotify? What would you like to hear Parker talk about? Uh, and if you were interviewing those guys, what would your questions to them be? Um, yeah, the thing with Spotify is that it's, uh, it's not working in uh, every country in the world. It's working only in 10 countries or something like that, uh, including U.S. So unfortunately, it's not working in, uh, in Serbia but uh, the thing about Spotify is that it's a European startup, and uh, uh, there is a lot of talk about European startups in the last couple of years because uh, everybody's uh, asking themselves, could Europe be as successful as as uh, US? And uh, if if we can have a European Silicon Valley, what uh, what city it would be? So it's interesting to see that Spotify, which is originally from Sweden, if I'm not wrong, uh, is making his way. On the global on the global uh, level, uh, I haven't. I, unfortunately, I haven't tried that because I, I I couldn't do so. But what I know is that the passion from uh, from the Napster, uh, which which was originally found by uh, founded by Sean Parker, is going to be transferred on this startup as well. And I think that the main reason he invested in Spotify is that he wants is is the fact that he wants to revenge all those guys who who shut down the Napster. And and it, it, it was his first successful startup. 
Uh, I read a lot about John Parker in last in last uh, couple of months, and I, I can say that he's a really interesting guy. There is uh, he's worked on so many things, uh, not just on Facebook. He he's got like airtime. He's invested in airtime. He's invested in uh, in Square, if I'm not wrong. So so I, I would probably I would probably ask him about uh, his his further plans to invest in Europe. Because uh, for my readers, that's that's probably the perspective that they're expecting. Can can I say something about Spotify? I think Spotify is a really really good example how it's very why it's so hard for European startups to compete with the startups from Silicon Valley, is because I'm in Denmark and only 10 kilometers away we have Sweden, and we have only had Spotify now uh, for the past few weeks. We've heard our Swedish friends use Spotify, the US people use Spotify, and we have not been able to use it. So unless the startups are able, like Spotify, to launch in the whole of Europe at one time and create a, a buzz in a whole in the whole of Europe, we will not be able to. How can we compete with uh, with the US startup startups when we we only launch in country by country here? You know, Karen, it's interesting. Um, I, in the old days, when I was younger and I wasn't married and I didn't have kids, <clears throat> I listened to the radio and I went to bands and I discovered music. I really had to work at it, but I was able to discover new music and it was exciting to discover new music because I enjoy music. Um, I don't have the time to do that anymore. And so for the most part, I mean, since... Spotify became available. I was out of the loop, man. If there was a hot new band, I didn't know about it uh, because I didn't have the time to find out what it was. Now I can just look at the social graph and see what's trending and see what people are listening to. And I'm discovering this amazing music that I love. And I'm like back in the fold. And, you know, it, it gets you thinking because, you know, what's the last channel of media that you know, is currently still one way broadcast and cable television, right? Uh, I've got 500 channels downstairs in my living room and I don't know what's on. I mean, for me to figure out what's, what's going to be on that's worth watching is brain science, brain surgery. And, um, I, I'll give you some interesting speculations that I have based on some reading that I'm doing and some, some whispers I've been hearing. Um, I think it was last month's Wired magazine. There's an interview with the product manager of Google Plus, and uh, you know they're asking him well, what's next for Google Plus, what's next for Google Plus, and he makes this a suggestion that they're going to try to get cable programming on Google Plus so you can hang out with your friends and watch TV together and make that experience social, bring a social layer to TV. And uh, earlier, I think. Two weeks ago, there was a news break that said Google is putting, I think, $150 million into original programming uh, with some well-known shows in the U.S. that they're going to get exclusive content for, uh, for Google Plus uh, on. And I would imagine if they could somehow get TV on Google Plus and have a good six, maybe 12-month lead in front of Facebook, that might actually be good enough to lure people there and make that a, a significant uh, competitor. I wonder if Eric Schmidt's going out there to talk about Google Plus and to talk about, make some announcement about their intention to bring TV into the social era. A any uh, any comments from you guys on that? Well, I think it's pretty it's pretty difficult. The that 
they choose Paris to announce something like that. I mean, would be very interesting, of course. I would, I would love to be there for such an announcement. But the TV um, sphere, let's say, the TV environment in Europe is very different from the U.S. Most of the countries in, in Europe, they don't have the cable TV. They have other systems for, for broadcast. And, of course, if Google decided to put TV on Google+, Plus, they would do that in the U.S. So I would expect to announce that in the U.S. more than in Paris. I think that Eric Schmidt will just come to Europe to say something regarding something different, maybe some new approaches of Google in Europe, you know, just in Germany they had troubles with Street View and stuff like that. So I think it's a good chance for the company to come by and 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 show that they are more Europe friendly. And Europe friendly, that was just my keyword because we don't really, Eric, need a lot more American TV over here. We have a lot of that. What we need is to. Uh, find out about, about other European cultures because we are much closer to them and, and we need to cooperate with them much more and to build more startups and stuff. So culture-wise, we need to look more within Europe and then look to to US if you ask me. No well, offense. Well, I'll tell you, I just, uh, I just flew Air France over to Europe uh, last week and on their in-flight uh, TV system, I mean, all they've got are Desperate Housewives, Lee, and all these. I don't even watch these shows. That's I think I mean. they're bigger in in Europe than they are here. I know that's what I mean. So um, keep the flood, you know, away a little bit because we uh, we have enough uh, really good content over here. We just need we we just don't have the distribution system that you ha you have because. Like we have different currencies, we have different languages, and we have different, just mobile systems are just different well, from well, country. Listen, it, it, it cuts both ways because when I was over there last time, uh, Gonzag, who was an official blogger, uh, but I don't think he's going to be going this year. He, he said he wasn't sure. I invited him to this call, but he said he wasn't sure if he would, he would be there. Introduced me to David Gvetta. Who's you know the you know this this amazing Parisian DJ, and I was able in Paris to get this great CD of his mixes, and I brought them back to the U.S. I couldn't get them here. I showed them to my nephew. He was like you know he couldn't believe I had it. He immediately burned it and shared it with all his friends on Facebook. He was so excited. But I want to I want to move on to another subject here. There's two other speakers that I'm really excited about. I'm excited to hear Brian Chesky of Airbnb and Kevin Seistrom of Instagram. These are two hot startups that uh, I'm using them both. I'm actually may even wind up renting an apartment off of Airbnb uh, for my Paris stay uh, this year at the web. Um, I don't know about any of you guys. Are you are you using Airbnb? Are you using Instagram? And uh, if so, what do you think of the services? And what do you want these guys to talk about? Okay, I can start. Uh, I'm uh, I used Airbnb to book uh, a room for a startup week in Vienna. We talked about. Unfortunately, I haven't gone there. But w w my first impression was that it's really it's really you know I think the best word for this uh, sleek service. I mean. It's it's easy to use, uh, it's easy to use it and to find whatever you need for a very reasonable price, and uh, the fact that the whole service is based on the social graph, uh, I think that it bridges the problems that that were mentioned so much about about Airbnb and the troubles about EJ and uh, destroying a flat in San Francisco. If I 
if I remember well. Uh, and I think that, uh, that the, the best way, uh, the, the best thing for, uh, for Kevin, uh, his name is Kevin, yeah? The best thing for, okay, for Airbnb team is to share that story and how, how they went from, you know, from complete disaster to, to somehow win-win situation where they founded Airbnb guarantee, etc. And about, uh, about uh, Instagram, uh, I, I, I use it very much because it's, it's, you know, it is one of those services that's very easy to use and that's very funky. So I like it. And my question to them would probably be, are they going to, to, uh, to go on the different platforms such as Android? And uh, how come they succeeded to, to get on a such, on a such uh, big scale with, uh, with only two people? Because as far as I know, Insta Instagram has got a very small team. I've had the worst um, experience with uh, Airbnb uh, ever in San Francisco when I rented a, a room at a private house through Airbnb. Uh, <laughs> I had no idea how bad that could be. It was really not good. But that was just one experience. But I think that um, also the, the, the whole case with Airbnb uh, tells us something about how social media uh, startups uh, deal with the, the bad publicity they can get through their own media, you know, if you know what I mean. We've had these big, big cases with uh, big, big company, offline companies who've been had uh, bad publicity in social media, but now we're on our own turf. What happens? I think it's a really good example. Of okay, so let's, uh, we should wrap this up. Uh, I want to give each of you the opportunity to talk about, uh, you know, your blog, about uh, what you do for a living, and about uh, what type of coverage we can expect to see from you at this year's The Web. And Karen, let's start with you. Well, it's my first time at Le Web. It's not my first time in, in Paris, and I'm really, really excited. It's a long time since I've been at a, at a startup event, so um, I just can't wait to see um, how that how that goes and meet everybody, okay? But the what my my focus is podcasting, of course. So it, this is a part of my education. My my uh, listeners and my uh, readers of my blog expect to see what's new in podcasting because they know that I have this focus. This is not an event about podcasting. I know that, but I, I'll definitely focus on that. Uh, look up podcasters and talk to some of the celebrity podcasters, Robert Scoble, Leo Laporte, and yourself, Eric, <laughs> and talk to, to, to you guys, but also try and uh, find out what's going on on the Danish podcast, uh, not on the European podcasting scene. Are there any new software that we can use? So that's my focus, and I'm excited about that. Okay. See, this uh, is the thing about the Europeans, man. You guys are too shy to promote yourselves. Come on. Well, I have. Okay, yeah. <coughs> no, I was, I was, I was talking to Luca N Nabosha there. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, I will be the second one. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm blogging since uh, 2005, mostly about social media and online marketing in general. But in the last couple of years, I'm, uh, I'm writing a lot about startups, startup culture, and trying to promote that among uh, youngsters here. Because I think that uh, building startups from here can, pro can, can positively affect to our economy, which is not so good, as you probably know and heard about Serbia. Uh, what I would like to do on uh, the web, I, would, I will probably focus, uh, focus on uh, 
main stage because um, I had good experience from the last years from the la last year's conference. And uh, if there is if there are some workshops that are uh, part particularly connected to social media, such as LinkedIn's, Facebooks, etc., I would probably uh, be there and uh, write about that to my to my uh, readers because they found that the most interesting. Uh, if I get enough time, I will probably meet uh, meet some of the speakers and try to video interview them and to make some to make enough content for the uh, for for the upcoming month before the New Year's Eve. So, uh, and what I lacked last year on Leweb is that I didn't uh, network that much uh, because of the reason uh, Luca mentioned that uh, I spent my, a lot of time with people from the Balkans that I already knew and not with the new people uh, that I could meet. So I will probably I will probably try to meet more people and to try to you know to to, to make some cooperations on a global level and maybe to find some new job, who knows? <laughs> well, this year you know us, so you will hang out with us and, you, and we will introduce you to all of them. Absolutely. Yeah, that's yeah. great. So it's my turn. Um, as I said, I'm from Italy and I live in Vienna, but most of my time I spend on, in airports and on planes and at conferences. Because I work for a search engine and my job is to lead the team of social media experts. Um, and I also represent the company in many, 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 many events around the globe, primarily in Europe and US. So conferences are my ordinary activity. Um, Le Web for me is a special conference because one was one of the first conferences that actually I attended as a blogger, let's say when I started this job a few years ago, the web was one of the first international events that I was attending, and that actually set the bar for me. And, and, and I just split events in events that can tend to be the new the web or events they have no chance to be the new the web. Um, and for me, it's also a great opportunity to get together with friends because most of the friends um, that I have are spread around the world and they get together on the web. So I meet you, uh, Eric, there and uh, and other people that usually I meet just three or four times per year just around the globe. Um, what else? What 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 is my activity on the web? Usually I interview people when I have interesting questions for them um, that I don't have the opportunity you know, to solve the question just listening to them from the stage. I just try to hang out with them and ask questions because the cool part, the cool thing on the web is like the speakers, most of the time they also um, are very easy to access. So after the, after the, the, the presentation, it's very easy to find people at the networking area or around food, as I said before, and to just hang out with them and ask questions. That's how you get together with people. Um, yeah, so I'm uh, I'm looking forward to see all of you also this year. And I'm looking forward to seeing you all as well in Paris at the web. Uh, it's going to be December 6th, 7th, and 8th, 2011. Uh, in Paris, you can get information at leweb.net. Thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to On the Record Online with Eric Schwartzman, the podcast about how technology is changing the world of communications. To subscribe to the podcast or share feedback, visit us online at ontherecordpodcast.com, on Twitter at ontherecord, 
or send email to ontherecordpodcast at gmail.com. On the Record Online is hosted by Eric Schwartzman, an independent online communications consultant whose clients include the U.S. Department of State, the United States Marine Corps, the U.S. Embassy of Greece, the Government of Singapore, Johnson & Johnson, Toyota, Southern California Edison, the Environmental Defense Fund, and dozens of small to medium-sized organizations. For information about engaging Eric Schwartzman as a speaker, social media trainer, or digital strategist, visit www.ericschwartzman.com or send email to eric at ericschwartzman.com.